Welcome to Every Step Podcast. I'm Christina Weston. And I'm Judith Beck. Every Step is the podcast where career and life meet. Welcome to Every Step Podcast. Judith, great to be back. Have we got a doozy today? (laughs) (laughs) Judith's laughing because we're going to have a little bit of fun with this one, but there is a serious side to it. Um, it's quite contentious, the topics we're talking about today. We've got four key issues that we're going to play with, shall I say. We're going to chat about furries, the latest phenomenon. Well, it's not so late, but anyway, it's a rising phenomenon. And if you don't know what a furry is, we'll explain that when we chat about it. We're going to talk about pronouns. There's more than 70-odd Even more, I've heard, I've heard somebody say there's hundreds of them. How do we deal with them in the workplace? We're going to look at the word triggered. Are you triggered by the word triggered? And the latest issue that's been in the press the last week or so, gender pay gap. So, Judith, let's kick it off with furries. Oh, God, Christy, I tell you what. Before, actually, before I start talking about it, I just want to make one point too, just to the audience, that we're having this discussion and we have certain views about it, but what we're trying to do as well as well is get our views out and have a an adult discussion. So if you don't agree with us or if you want to educate us, then send us in a question, send us in some information, we're everything we're not set in stone but but we need to be able to have this conversation and people one of the reasons why we didn't invite people in on these topics is because the majority of people are are scared to actually talk about it because they're worried about being um condemned or judged or whatever and that's not a good way to have a free society and open conversation. We need to be able to talk about these things because one, sometimes there can be more than one right answer. Sometimes we don't know some of the information because we were born in a certain culture and had certain people teaching us. We might not know the facts. So if anything we say today, you don't feel is right or the facts aren't right, please uh, send us an email. We will discuss it. At one of our other episodes, we will discuss what people are saying because we want to have an open and honest conversation. Yeah, well, well said, Judith. Well said. This this topic does my head in, actually. Because want to explain what a furry is? Why don't you explain what a furry is? Well, basically, it's 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 called interspecies movement. So there are people out there who um, identify as a cat or a dog. And actually, Christina, in, in preparation for this, I you know, combed the internet. <laughs> There's people who identify as cake, as- um, in, Inanimate, uh, non, non, non-living, non-breathing objects. You know, they're, you know, it, it's, um, and, and, you know, at the end of the day, um, you can identify something as something, but that does not necessarily make it so to the world around you. You may believe it, but the world around you, like I, like I used to say, I, I believe I'm a wonderful singer, <laughs> but I a cannot singer. carry a tune. Well, guess the- what? No one's going to employ you as a singer, and I, I think we need to. <laughs> but I'm great in the shower. Um, so these types of things, you know, I, I, 
my first question when I read about this is I think, why don't people want to be human anymore? What's wrong with being a human? Why are they then thinking that uh, they have to be? Is it is it because they've been because uh, all of this, a lot of this has accelerated during COVID. So yeah. was it because of the isolation? Was it because of social media influence? Or is it deeper than that? Is it is a is it a could be a sense of belonging, um, sense of belonging, attention seeking? There's a whole list of things that that could be the reason for it, and and I think for the purpose of our episode is it's more about you can do what you want to do. Yeah, you it's know? about impact in the workplace and impact yeah. on your career. That's the lens through which we're going to have lens. this conversation. Bingo! It's like yeah. okay. As an employer who hires humans, do I then need to accommodate for someone who thinks they're a cat or a dog and, you know, they want us to um, provide kitty litter in the, and you, you might laugh, but that has happened in the, in the, in the, um, the toilets. Well, if you want to identify as a cat in the workplace, does that mean the employer should microchip you and spay you because that's part of council regulations? Or are you just going to pick the good bits that suit you when you want to be an animal, but you don't, look, I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, but it's true. Well, hey, what, what happens if, if a boy cat comes over and starts marking his territory around the office, I mean, I'm not going, you know, is it, are they going to be able to say, well, hey, um, you know, that's what cats do. So, you know, it's, it, the, you know, we laugh at this now, but the, the mm. I think the sort of the moral of the story is, is that if you start accepting these things and letting them go, it, you know, you're going to be, you could be accepting something bigger down the track so what are employers not just employers let's let's break it down let's break it down a little bit because these things have many impacts they have impacts on your own career let's say i want to identify as a um a different species right now first of all there's that we're aware of, we've done a little bit of research, we can't find anything, certainly under Australian law, that has tested the issue. Um, there's been no test around um, Human Rights Commission or Fair Work Commission um, that we're aware of right now in Australia. And look, we don't care what people do in their private lives. And there's kind of this do no harm principle. If you're not hurting on anybody, I don't, I don't care. But if you come into the workplace and you're impacting others around you, their ability to do their work, your ability to do your work. If you're doing things that are detrimental to the brand of your company, I think there's something to, to answer for. And, and I've had a bit of a look on the Unfair Dismissal Australia site. There's a great article there for anyone that's interested. And in all likelihood, if you come in and meow in the background and put your company's reputation at risk if you're in a front-facing role, in all likelihood, that would be grounds for dismissal. And that's what, logical, right? Yeah, that's logical. I would, I would, yeah, I would have, um, I would have an issue with that <laughs> or, or the howling or the barking. What if somebody barks at um, a fellow employee? Is that harassment? Well, it could be, absolutely, because I don't like being barked at. That's you're not treating me with respect. That's like right. If you're barking at me, then I could be implying that you think I'm a bitch. 
and now I've got an issue with you. Do yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly right. I mean, it is. Look, it it sounds funny now when we talk about it, thinking, "Oh well." But I I also looked up something, and it said that there's like three thousand plus people in Australia that identify as furries. So yeah, and some of this is immediate. Some of this is a media beat up as well. I mean. Yeah. Um, there is a media bit of a media beat up, and I've read some of the article two articles too, where the headline says "woman identifies as a wolf," and then you read further on, and actually she's just embodying her power animal. And you know, I've done a lot of work in spirituality, and I understand power animals, and I have power animals myself. I don't run around telling everybody who my power animal is or what it is, but there are times when I embody that take the energy of that but the headline was woman is a wolf and but then you read further down it's like well no she comes in dressed as a human she does her job she's very good at her job and she just uses those characteristics to help her be even better at her job no issue she's not putting anyone at harm she's not coming in a wolf suit you know that's her personal life that she leaves at home and that's fine. You don't bring in the office, you don't start howling and, and she doesn't, it's her person, it's her personal life. That, that, that's fine. I mean, to me, I think, you know, um, you, you are not bringing it into, but it's also um, because there were articles on some of the ones that, that we looked at where it was happening in the schools and the schools will, were accommodating. Well, the school accommodated a young girl who wanted, a very bright young girl who wanted to identify as a cat. And I think that's quite interesting that in the article, of that particular article, they said she was an extremely bright young girl. And I'm thinking, well, what, first of all, why do you need to say she's an extremely bright young girl? If she wasn't extremely bright, would that have a difference? in the Exactly. Position? <laughs> does it even does it even matter and and to me i you know and i people might not agree with this but my view is if a kid is identifying as a cat um you don't accommodate them at school you get them help they need a professional to find out why it is that they don't want to be human i know you know i know what my dad would do <laughs> back when he would have said you want to be a cat hmm uh, lamb or beef and uh, for dinner tonight, and it would be out of a can, and I'd be sleeping in the garage, and that probably would last about two days, and then I'd be back being myself. But well, this is this picking and choosing. You know, I, I just want the good aspects of this identity, but I don't want the other aspects of this identity. And it's like whether you're a human or whether you're a cat. When we're human, because we are human, when we're human, we do a lot of stuff we don't like, right? <laughs> That's right. When did it become part of being human? <laughs> when did it become an issue um, to be human? I mean, and celebrate your humanness, whichever way you want to celebrate it, as a human, not as um, an interspecies. And where, and also too, when these kids are doing this, where are they getting these ideas from? Where is this social, coming social, from? Social media. And look, wow. it's it's about a sense of belong. I think a lot of it is because we've lost connection and it's about a sense of belonging and people have fun with this. Um, you know, it's fantastic. There are whole communities out there, people that dress up as medieval people and go out and do jousting and battles and, you know, or they want to, you know, those clubs and those communities are fantastic. Yeah. You know, if you want to be 
be part of a furries community. Brilliant. Um, I don't know how much fun it would be wearing one of those outfits, uh, you know, in 40 to 35, 40 degree heat. Um, but, you know, if you want to be part of a community, go for it. Like that's so important. It's so important to have that fun that. and to have that creativity and that self-expression. But when it comes to work, you're there to work. You're there to represent the brand of the business. You're there not to cause angst and issues for the colleagues around you. And you're there to be professional and you're there to dress in, I think it's generally accepted that employers are entitled to have a dress code and they expect their employees to comply and you dress professionally. Exactly right. That's exactly right. And, um, you know, like what if somebody identified as a vampire and they came in their vampire suit? You know, right. those, those types of things. I mean, there has to be boundaries. There has to be a standard that um, that employers who when they're hiring people, you know, can discuss with the with the, the person coming into the business. This is what we expect. And and that doesn't mean, um, you know, that doesn't go into um, male, female transgenderism, you know, so somebody who is transitioning and they were originally um, a man and now they're going to be a female. Coming wearing laws and clear protocols to protect discrimination. Around exactly, that. they come in wearing a dress. That's fine as long as it's professional. Well, who cares, right? Okay. So it's like, but when you start going into the interspecies kind of thing, that's not human, and it's it's taken it too far in my in my view. Well, I think the other thing is if 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 I'm the person who identifies as a particular animal, for example, what chances do I think I'm going to get at career progression if I want to seriously embody that persona? I'm going to struggle. Like it's just it's just fact. You, you're going to struggle in interviews. No one will ever tell you why you didn't get hired. It'll just be too hard baskets. Sorry, we had too many applicants. It was so hard to decide and you've been unsuccessful on this occasion. Well, that's exactly, you couldn't even sign your letter of offer because you'd have to put a paw print down. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it digitally now, Judith. There's DocuSign. Exactly. Well, the thing is, let's just face it, they're, if they're if they're gone down the track of that, they're not looking to be the next managing director. No, clearly, clearly. And look, if we put this in perspective, it must be less than a fraction of a percent of all potentially employable people in the world, a milli, milli fraction of less than one, you know. Exactly. Why are, we, why are we expending this much energy? Because you and I have talked about it. Others have raised it with us. You've had conversations with people that are considering their HR people are considering having policies around this. Seriously, folks, we've got much bigger issues to worry about. And when companies have exactly have policies around that, um, that's because it, it's one or two people have made an issue of it, or they've come and they and they think okay, and and nobody wants to be the person that says no. No one wants to be mummy and daddy to say well, not appropriate in this workplace, and try to help because in my in my view. That person who's not happy being a human and wants to be a dog or a cat, they've got issues that need to be discussed 
with somebody who's got um professional- just, just manage your boundaries do what you want in your private life i don't care what you do in your private yeah. life i don't care who you sleep with i don't care what you wear i you know i don't care but when you're at work you're at work and there's a contract between the employer and the employee it's a two-way contract i will pay you if you fulfill these duties and obligations and behave in a manner that's professional and doesn't cause any harm to anybody else or my reputation or the profits of my business. Absolutely. I mean, I, I to be an employer, and it's not just an employer, it's not just the person who owns the business, it's all the managers and the, you know, p- people have to navigate so many different rules and regulations, what happens if this happens, what happens if that, you know, it used to be at the end of the day, don't discriminate. And that meant don't discriminate against anyone. And now it's gone through this minefield of every subclass, sub, you know, different classifications. I mean, you couldn't possibly remember every single one of them, which brings us to- A good um, transition, great transition. You know, over 72 gender pronouns. Or more. I've heard there's hundreds. Uh, and and why, why would, like, I, my view is, and I've always had this view ever, like, for years and years, and that, that's why I wrote the No Sex at Work, is, like, in my view, I'm just Judith. I never liked the idea of being Mrs., Miss, Miss, I didn't even like that. It's just Mr. Like, Sir, Madam, Doctor, Doctor, whatever. I'm just Judith. So in the work environment, um, just call me by my name. But how in the heck, as a manager or an owner, am I going to learn seven? I read this article, um, and I won't mention the company, but it's a big company and a big consulting firm. And um, and they were talking about creating a um, diverse environment and there's how the different strategies and, you get, and then they say gender pronouns are the words people use to refer to themselves. Um, they were once re- referred to as personal gender profi- pronouns or preferred gender pronouns. Um, being, but, but why are they important? So in, the, in their case, they've got this... Um, chart which gives you an idea of how you should address people and so in other words um if you're talking about somebody at the work environment let's say you're talking about Susie instead of and let's say you don't know Susie's name but you're supposed to know her pronoun um her his or they's pronoun so you would say that's cause is pen that's ends pen that's ear pen, that's his pen, that's her pen, that's there, that's her, yo's, zur, and it goes on. I'm sorry. So you're supposed to know. Where, all- where, where does the work get done? Where, where's productivity happening? If we, if we caught down this rabbit warren, just make it easy. Just throw pronouns out. And it's like, it's Judith's, can you please ask Judith? Is Judith coming to that meeting? Please go and see Judith about that. Yes. Judith will know. Exactly. And and because as a manager, let's say, because, you know, a lot of people, I mean, over the years, they have hundreds and hundreds of people that are 
you know, could be reporting into them. And even if they have 20 people reporting to them, how are they going to remember all their pronouns? And I think there's some pragmatic, there's some pragmatic issues. And I've, I've got a lived experience of, of this. There are, there are times when people in these communities are moving from one to another and they can often get very, very upset with the people around them when they use the wrong pronoun. And it's actually difficult when you've been calling somebody by that one pronoun for 20 or 30 years and then all of a sudden they're wanting you to use a different pronoun. And when you've been in a habit for 30 years or 20 years of using one particular pronoun, it's going to be easy to use the wrong pronoun. And it's the vilification also on the other side of people who get it wrong. And it's not malicious. It's not often intentional. It's just... Yeah, if you, they if haven't you, got into the new habit yet. They haven't got, but if you don't know someone's um, gender, let's say, you don't know their gender and, and you don't want to offend someone, you just say, excuse me, um, what is your name? Yeah. Why do you need to ask exactly. them what is their name and what is your pronoun? I don't need to know what your pronoun is. I don't need to know. In the workplace, I don't care. I don't care. I just want you to do the job, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You're in the workplace. I don't need to know. Like when I had my business, I literally did not, I never ever um, uh, worried about what people, I, and even way back, even back then, I'd say um, your partner or your spouse. I'd never say your wife or your husband. Because, yeah, I'm very careful with that you know, too. You don't, mm. you don't make assumptions. assumptions. And, um, you know, and I always called people, you know, if I, I would never say like salesman, I would always say salesperson or spokesperson, or um, even if I'm doing um, a presentation, I would also house everyone going. Um, so never those stereotypical type of terms, um, even even then, because you 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 don't know. You don't know what someone's situation. All I need to know is their name. And to me, I think it's more respectful to call someone by their name rather than saying, oh, tell her to do it or tell him to do it or tell sis to do it or tell whatever, tell Susie, ask Susie, you know, that, you know, that kind of thing um, is more, it's is more respectful in my view, calling them by their name rather than by a pronoun. So that's Perfect. Perfect. Full, full stop, full stop, end of subject. <laughs> and now if you don't agree with us people you need to tell us why and you know write it in comments whatever tell us why you don't agree and and you know educate us because we want to know we want to continue this conference um, we don't want you to be triggered which is oh our don't start me on that one don't start me on that one so <laughs> that's a word that's come into our vernacular that is so misused. It's terrible and it completely diminishes the lived experience of people who have stress disorders or have been medically diagnosed with anxiety disorders. It seems like every second person is now saying, oh, I was triggered. That, you know, it, it's. It, and, and the thing is, like, you know, there's a lot of information of this. If you 
Google thinks about being triggered. And the consensus is that it is being misused. Completely. And basically Completely. Using, using, here's something here, using the term triggered without the intention of describing a diagnosis minimizes the experiences of someone suffering from PTSD related triggers, according to right. the National Center for PTSD. People who have been through trauma, loss, or hardship in the past may be even more likely than others to be affected by the new potentially traumatic events. And the thing is, is that, um, you know, this, this is what happens, I think, in our society these days. We grab onto something, we use it, and it gets overused, and it diminishes the intent of Correct. what initial um word meant and you know that's so let's talk about how it's being misused in the workplace because this is you know there's there are a number of people that are seemingly uncomfortable about doing a particular task and their go-to is oh I can't do that or you, you can't say that I've been triggered and then all of a sudden the employer, who is not meant to be a psychiatrist or a psychologist, feels vulnerable. It's the employer who feels vulnerable, the manager or the leader feels vulnerable because they're worried that there's going to be a uh, a complaint against them, an HR complaint against them around bullying or whatever else. And really the issue is the person feels nervous or they feel uncomfortable or they don't feel they have the skills but it's got nothing to do with being triggered unless they've had a highly traumatic experience and a diagnosed, medically diagnosed anxiety disorder around a particular situation. And if that's what's happened, there needs to be a conversation about it so that people can be respectful of that in the workplace. But it's a cop-out that every, every second person's throwing that word around as an excuse to get out of doing things. Absolutely. And see, and I think that's, um, a lot to do with lack of resilience. Agree. And like they're they're so you know it, it used to be that um, you you know the 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 lack of resilience that I think people are that have these days they're taking everything so literally instead of going if someone says something instead of going I don't agree with that. This is my view because of these reason, uh, reasons. They're saying that triggered me what you just said. It's a cop out. It's, it's a, a cop, cop out. out. It's a cop out. It's a co if you don't give your reasons why you were triggered um, for just whatever conversation, I'm not talking about trauma. So we're putting trauma. We're not talking about trauma. Real, Let's be yeah, clear. We're, we're not yeah. talking about tra trauma. Yeah, we're talking about everyday stuff that happens in the work environment and at home where someone says, Oh, that, you know, I saw that on the news today and that really triggered me because, you know, they don't agree with it. So trigger can also mean I don't agree. Well, if you don't agree, why don't you agree? And quit saying you're triggered and start bucking up and start saying, this is the reason why I don't agree with that. Or this, in other words, this affected me. Maybe it did affect you. It stimulated me. It, it stimulated annoyed, It annoyed me. It annoyed aggravated me. me. It made <laughs> me angry. Exactly. Label the emotion. You know, I was reading something um, that a psychologist was writing and he said anybody that came into a clinical environment talking about this would never use the word triggered if they were being, 
if the issue was being teased out, they'd say they would say that made me angry. They'd be asked to name the emotion. And when people can't actually name the emotion, it kind of means the word triggers just a catch-all that actually means everything and nothing. So it's an it's a get out of jail free card. When somebody's really when somebody really looks introspectively, they should be able to name the emotion in terms of, gee, that made me angry, or gee, he pissed me off, or gee, hearing that was annoying. We can actually yeah. name there's a lot of stuff going on on um, you know, through uh YouTube and you see these little videos that come up in your feed and everything. And I see these ones where they're, you know, the police pull somebody over. And they pull them out and they, you know, they, 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 they won't get out of their car and they'll self say things to the police officer. Like, um, I'm sorry, officer, but I have social anxiety. I don't feel like getting <laughs> the police is like going, well, um, you know, you can tell that they have to be careful what they say too. And they go, well, I understand that, but I still need you to get out of the car. <laughs> and then they'll start bringing up all these other different things like, you know, uh, this one lady said, I, I drove on the wrong side of the street because um, I suffer from anxiety and I had to turn around. And, and you're like every exclude. And I, I'm sure they believe it. I'm sure they believe it. They still broken the law. They still broke the law. You're still getting a ticket. <laughs> so, so I think the moral of the story there is we people you need people need to get a thicker skin at the end of the day you know people if you're finding yourself being angry and upset or triggered or whatever start looking at yourself absolutely and people don't want to that's the problem it's a bit it's it's actually hard work to look at yourself it yes. is it's confronting it's yes. confronting to look inward it's confronting to actually feel emotions it is it's hard work and that's why people don't want to do it. It's called life. It's, it's called, called life. <laughs> and it's called the journey. And it's kind of like if you if if you stop every time something annoys you slash so-called triggered or upsets you and think I can't do it anymore, you'll never get anywhere. Get like, some help. Get some help. Seriously. If 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 this if this is you, go please go and get some help. Face your fears you know get face your fears it's not as bad as you think it is in the moment you think everything is really bad and i can't get through it it's never as bad as what you think it is and you just need to be prepared to ask for help and a good counselor will help you work through all of that and help you identify what's really going on absolutely absolutely and give you management tools to help you deal with things in the future but we need to create more resilience in our young people, in our employees, you know, and that doesn't mean we, we abuse, you know, it doesn't mean we make them work stupid hours. We're not talking about any of that. I'm talking about emotional resilience. Life is hard. People are always going to say mean things. There's always going to be somebody that does something or says something or behaves in a way that upsets you. It's how we deal with it that matters. How we what was the first thing you learned when you were little? You'll remember this. The first thing you learned to deal with uh, um, people calling your names uh, oh. was sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me, right? That was the first thing that your parents or somebody taught me that when I was little. And, and you just had to repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, because the kids around would call your names or they would 
you know. And the truth is words do hurt. I mean, the truth is that words do hurt, but it's how we process those words and what meaning we give to those words. That's where we need to start flexing our resilience muscles and our self-confidence muscles and our belief in ourselves. The more, the less we believe in ourselves, the more open we are to being upset uh, by other people's words or when they ask us to do something that we feel uncomfortable about doing. We just got to own our stuff. We've got to own our stuff. I don't feel comfortable about public speaking, right? It would have been like if somebody says to you, I need you to get up and do this. Oh, I'm a bit nervous about that. I feel uncomfortable about that. Just own it. Get the right coaching. Get the right support. Or That's I've got to have a difficult conversation. I've got to make people redundant. Or I've got to have a difficult conversation with somebody about their performance. It's difficult. It's not easy. If you've never done it before, of course it's hard. But support in that conversation. And if someone calls you a name or says something to you, you need to consider the source. You need to go, okay, What's that's going on for them. Yeah. It's like, I feel sorry for them that they're so negative and their life is so horrible that they feel the need to call me a name and, you know, laugh it off. Do the, you know, just do the, the um, when I say laugh it off, you're right. That sometimes things can hurt, but they only hurt as much as you let them hurt you. If you dwell on it and you stew on it and everything else, then they they've won. Yeah. They've and got- we're not talking about bullying here. Let's be no. clear, folks. We're not no. talking about systemic bullying here. We're talking about other other issues around. But it's about standing up for yourself. It's about standing up for yourself as well and learning how to do that. And it's always hard the first time. And but the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And the key is, if someone is treating you or or annoying you, or you're having um, issues, you got to speak to somebody you trust. Yeah, go and speak to somebody you trust. Exactly. Now let's talk about money. Let's talk about money, honey. Okay. So the big news uh, this week, the last week, um, has been the release of. uh, the gender pay gap study. So any company in Australia with employees more than 100 is uh, now has to report on the gender pay gap. And I have to say, if I'm being balanced about it, Judith, there's a bit of a media beat up here. Um, Yes, there is a gender pay gap, but the way they calculate that is if you're in a female dominated company, for example, they take the median salary of the females who are typically a lower paid salaries And then they take the median salary of the men and often it's they're in senior executive roles or they're in engineering roles or tech roles where they get paid more. And what what has come out is that there is a gender pay gap. And I think there's a bit of a media beat up, a bit of divisiveness around there. I think the biggest issue around all of this is that we have insufficient numbers of women represented in those senior better paying roles. And I think that's the problem that needs to be fixed because this gender pay gap story is not about like for like, and there's still there's still issues in terms of same job, same pay. But I think this, this, this big gap in reporting that we've seen this week is a little bit of clickbait. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I'd love to. We should get Bianca from uh, Financy on here who does all the... Um, Uh, a lot of the stats to talk about this as well, because um, like we did 
when I when I had my executive search business, we did salary surveys for 10 years for one of the magazines. And so th this was something that I personally was actually speaking to people. Now that's in financial services, right? So it's, it is different. It is a different industry. But one of the things that I found, and I truly believe is probably no different um, today, just by given um, uh, all the people that I speak to, is that one of the things that I saw that was a big issue in the salary differences within the same level type roles um, were that the women tended to be in the roles longer. So they tended to be long-term in that role mm -hmm. where the guys tended to move. And get a pay increase every and, time yes, they move. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So as a headhunter, obviously, when we would bring people over, they would get a big increase. And there could be four, four people in that team that were on lower salaries than that new employee. So the men turned over they, and they also asked for an increase consistently every year where the women tended- We're not, not so good at that, are we? We're not- No, they've gotten better, but yeah, they've gotten year better. Year after year. Yeah, because of advocates and mentors, they've gotten better. But the reality is um, they're still, um, you know, there's still uh, a lack of women in the yeah. in the industry. It's it, the numbers have increased too much, as far as I I know. Um, but also, this is the thing that used to bug the hell out of me, and it probably won't make a lot of HR people happy. There um, is that HR should be responsible to make sure this doesn't happen. And now it's probably it's not necessarily HR's fault if they don't get if they're not given the accountability, but they're the ones that know when people are coming in and if people are in it, they should be monitoring this and making same job. We're talking same job, same pay. Same job, same pay. Same job, same pay. Or um, I mean, let's face it. I think I think I read somewhere that the reason why. Some, the men because of bonus structures as well because they were making higher bonuses. Well, because so, we're talking if we're talking about hourly paid workers, not executive salaries, then of course there'll be people that will be doing more overtimes. They'll be getting more money, and you know if if there are women of childbearing age, you know there's those classic issues that keep coming up time and time again that maybe the women aren't doing as much overtime because they're taking a bigger brunt of the child-rearing experiences. Absolutely. They don't want to move companies as much because they want to get, you know, if they're in an organisation that pays great maternity leave, you want to stay there, you want to be there so that you're entitled to it and then you want to enjoy the benefit of it. I interviewed a lot of executive-level women who were not at the divisional director level they were more at like the general manager level and they did not want to go to the divisional director level for the reasons that they were felt that they were comfortable where they were they were making good salaries and um they didn't want to go to that uh director level because in their view uh it was the danger zone so in other words it was a role where the heads on the chopping block. <laughs> on the chopping block, yep. And they often, because in financial services, it's a highly paid industry. Often um, the women were the major breadwinners in their families because yeah. they might be married to somebody who's in fast-moving consumer goods or retail or something where the salaries aren't as lucrative as they are in financial services. So they'd be going, now, 
I, they give me flexibility. They give me everything I want. I'm happy. I'm, and I'm in this job for 10 years, which goes to my point about not moving. And um, I want to stay. So there are some things within some of these stats that aren't quite accurate. Uh, and there probably needs to be something done as far as getting in. I mean, look, I have always said, if, if, if we look at who is Shamara, who's the CEO of uh, Macquarie. Macquarie. She's the highest paid CEO. Oh, phenomenal woman. Phenomenal. So, woman. so if she's the highest paid CEO, what's the problem? <laughs> you know, well, how did she do it? I think, yeah. And look, it's it's complex and it's nuanced. And I think, you know, the, the big beat up was around um, female brands. So there was a retail clothing brand that had massive gender pay gap issues. Most of their floor staff were women, but their senior executives were mostly men. And when they compared the salaries, of course, they were out of out of kilter. Um, I think it's nuanced. It, it's industry by industry. It's personal life decisions. You know, to your point, women are some women are making different choices they don't want the extra responsibility or they want the job security over that high paying salary it is so nuanced and so complex and we've been trying to unravel this for years and we're, we're making progress and that doesn't mean to say we shouldn't continue making progress it doesn't mean to say we shouldn't continue to encourage women to step up because part of the issue preventing women from stepping up is our own limiting beliefs it's got yes. nothing to do with our competence. It's got nothing to do with anything. It's either we don't feel we can do it, we have imposter syndrome, or we 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 don't feel confident enough. And it just takes a bit of encouragement and a bit of mentorship to say, you've got this, babe. You've got this. Absolutely. And the other thing, I think that some of the things that came out was that about the superannuation. And you know, superannuation should be paid. Uh, in full during maternity leave. And that's the big gap. There are big gaps when women take time out. They take time out and things. And that was what, there one are of some the structural things. issues there. Yeah. So there's, there's some work to be done. Would love to know everybody's thoughts on that. Again, if you've got more information and you want to enlighten us. We need more us... women in senior roles. <laughs> we need more women in senior roles. And in <laughs> politics. And while we're at it, and in politics, because, yeah. <laughs> yes, I think so. Well, I, I there is um, a group that has, uh, I forgot the name of it now, that is uh, pr uh, pushing women in politics and they're doing a great job. I'll, I'll, I'll look that up and we can talk about that on another More balanced representation in the senior leadership roles because we get better outcomes. Yeah. We've just, got to, we've just got to keep working at how we make that happen. And that's part of that diversity you know that diversity and inclusion and making sure that happens and and um not because i know we have the argument of merit versus quotas and that's been going on forever but um equal equal opportunity for um uh what's the word i'm thinking of that the uh, opportunity uh, opportunity of um when someone's going Access. for a role. Yeah, access, access, opportunity of access. access. Exactly. Yes. So, I mean, that's really important. And also, there's still things that they can they can do with within organizations to make sure that one, they are hiring the best person, but they they are 
that everybody's getting that opportunity. And I think it comes down to um, the recruitment process as well. You know, making sure that there's uh, equality on the panel of people who are doing the interviewing to be able to make sure that there's not bias. But anyway, and that's also a whole preparing of people, also preparing people. You know, if if we've identified that there are insufficient numbers of women in senior roles, is is get some programs in there to make sure that the women who are who have been identified as potential future, you know, executive leaders, that that they're that they're coached and mentored to actually step into those roles. Many of them are already like there mentally, emotionally, psychologically, competence-wise, but there's a whole bunch who could do the job that just don't believe they can do the job. So support them to believe that. Support them to, to believe and give them um, equality of opportunity to be able to go and, and to um, participate in that process. And that, you know, a lot of, a lot of times we've talked about that before where, you know, when I have approached women in the past four roles, um, they haven't wanted to go forward for, for timing reasons and things like that. So it is very important that um, that you do have people in your corner who are your cheerleaders and who are encouraging you to move into other positions and move up the ladder, or move sideways or, you know, check out opportunities, you know, and also make those connections because, Connections are important. Yep, definitely. <laughs> Relationship connections and, you know, um, um, we've been losing a lot of that in the last three, four years, and it's time to pump it back up again. Yep, definitely. Well, did we bite off more than we could chew this this episode, Judith? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Let's see what the responses are. Let us know what you think when we put this out. You know, uh, follow us on um, Spotify and YouTube and Apple or whatever your your platform is, but also comment when we put out the uh, post on LinkedIn and on Instagram. Tell us what you think. We can take it. We're resilient. We're resilient. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Christina. Thanks, Judith. See ya. Bye. For more information about every step and our guests, head to everysteppodcast.com. To be notified of new podcasts, please subscribe via your favorite listening platform. And of course, follow us on social media and direct message us to share your ideas about guests or topics.